Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 86 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name's Rod Murray, and what matters for the purposes of this discussion is professional golf, and more importantly, how we consume it. Recent announcements by both the PGA and European tours that they'll soon offer coverage of the game on Discovery Channel, it might not have attracted the headlines, but does signal an important shift in an area of the game that involves deep pools of money, and that alone makes it interesting. Shortly, friend of the pod and all-round sports marketing guru Richard Gillis will join us to help unpick what it's all about. But before that, let me introduce my co-hosts from for today from the US and recovering from what's been a hectic couple of weeks. He's author, commentator, blogger, podcast host, and all-round media type Jess Shackovic. Even from Australia, I seem to have been seeing an awful lot of you on Golf Channel these past couple of weeks. Nice to be chatting in person on a topic that I'm sure you, like me, have a keen interest in. I do. Uh, thank you. And yes, it's uh, it's good to be chatting again. I, I will uh, uh, state my my clear bias right out of the shoot uh, on this one. I, ha- I have multiple biases on this one. <laughs> uh, obviously, my relationship with the Golf Channel, uh, and then just my uh, disdain for um, the rush to uh, get to a, a new way to to send uh, golf out to people uh, and technology that's not quite ready as our technical problems getting started today have uh, served as a nice reminder of. So I will stop talking at this point. Now. Yeah, we're looking forward to you fleshing out some of those issues as we go from down here in Australia. A man has been busily fighting the good fight on Twitter these past 24 hours after yet another ball goes too far. Hand grenade was thrown by Brandel Chambly, writer, commentator, course designer. And as he likes to refer to himself, that guy who fell on his ball, Mike Clayton. Clates, have you got any energy left for today's topic? It's been pretty intense in the Twitter sphere this last day or two. Well, and you winning the competition at um, Mangrove <laughs> Mountain with clubs that you couldn't be playing for any logical reason because you can't possibly shoot the lowest score or beat your friends with them. But yeah. you did. Yeah. and Which was another Twitter, which was another Twitter <laughs> war we had this week was, do you play golf to score or do you play golf for fun? Oh, God, that's right. I forgot well, about you that. You can do both, of course, but... Yeah, you can indeed. Um, yes, and congratulations to man. me. 42 points with a Joe Powell Persimmon driver and a set of Maxfly DP30 blades from somewhere in the late 80s, which are incredibly satisfying to hit when you manage to do it and very punishing to miss hit, but that's kind of the point of the game. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about on Twitter this last couple of days. Just before we introduce Richard Gillis, I want to remind everybody about our golf course study tour to Bamboogle Dunes in May next year. Clates, three days of golf, including playing a couple of holes with you, followed by that age-old tradition of sitting around the clubhouse arguing about which course was better and why, as well as all the other golf talk that comes with that sort of setting. We'll record the whole thing as an episode of the pod. It sounds like heaven for a golf night, all for less than 1500 bucks. Uh, though you'd have to pay for your own flights and lunch, everything else included. It should be a lot of fun, Clates. I'm really looking forward to this. Bamboogle June is the perfect venue for this kind of tour, isn't it? It'll be good. We can we can have Brian Walsh down and we can argue for hours about the eighth <laughs> hole before we get to any other hole. Well, I'll try um, and rig it so that yeah. you play the eighth with him and <laughs> you can get it sorted oh, before we get to the clubhouse. It'll be fun, and in the middle of the year, it's the best time to go to Bamberg. It's the time that everyone thinks the worst time, but the winter's the best time down there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, in September a couple of times. It's great to go down there. Yeah. Not so busy and not so windy and Indeed. dark at 5.30, so you can spend more time in the clubhouse and you've yeah. still got time for 36 holes. With the fire on and golf discussion. Right, enough of that. Enough of trying to sell the ads. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the page on the website where you can find the link to send me an email if you're interested. But uh, if you are a golf nerd, it will be golf heaven. So we're really looking forward to running that in May next year. Let's get on with today's show. It's a real pleasure to welcome back one of our favourite guests here at State of the Game. We first met Richard Gillis when he released his excellent book The Captain Myth ahead of the Ryder Cup in 2016. And we've turned to him since on 
all matters media and marketing at the top levels of the game. The recent announcements by both major tours that they've signed agreements with Discovery Channel piqued our interest these past couple of weeks, so it's just common sense to get Richard in to explain just what's going on. Richard, it's great to have you back. Thanks for taking some time. Not at all. Great to be back. Come down to Barnburgle Dunes, mate. You'll love it. Two days with Clates. You get to play some golf with yeah. him and listen to him talk. It'll be a hoot. All you got to do is get yourself there, and uh, and it'll be all quite good after that. Not what we came together to talk about. Richard, over-the-top TV, is that what we're talking about? What is it? And why is golf apparently suddenly enamoured with it? Um, yeah, so OTT uh, is, the, is the sort of buzzword at the moment, and it's not just in golf, obviously, but golf is, is certainly playing a playing a part of it um it depends on how far you want to go back in terms of the start of this story but i mean this is this has been coming for probably 20 years people have been talking about the potential of the internet to um allow uh sports like golf to go directly to their own customers and and or for broadcasters to develop streaming sort of products and the technology has not really been there we can have a discussion one of the one of the sort of um notable things of this last couple of years where screen uh, streaming services in sport have launched is the tech is glitchy um and there's been some negativity around around what the actual experience is like but this is something that that is a a long-term trend it's one of those things that's been coming slowly people a load of talk and then suddenly um, over the last sort of year to 18 months, there's been a lot of money spent um, trying to establish a foothold and trying to get um, to market on the broadcast side. We can probably debate at some point what this means for the golf fan and whether or not they're up or down in this in this whole thing, because um, there are arguments on both sides. But certainly there's, there is enormous... This is a, a very high-stakes game being played. Um, on Jeff's um, blog... The, the interview with the you know the head guy at Discovery who is who is obviously going around buying rights um, right left and centre that he mentioned that okay this is a bet the bet that we are taking and this is this is a very high stakes game and a lot of money being spent on a on what is still quite an unpredictable outcome mm. so essentially would it, to put it simply would it be uh, over the top TV means basically an existing TV network i.e. Discovery who've basically bend into documentary making, can deliver me other forms of television but over my internet line. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, essentially it's it's the, the phrase that they will use is, is Netflix for sport. Um, there's a lot of people claiming to be that, but essentially it's if you think <laughs> of Netflix, you think of something that you can then, okay, you have choice. You say, I, I want, I'll watch it when I want to watch it. You sit there, click it on, and it comes on um, on your telly. It's a Netflix is almost seamless um, in terms of its production values and the way in which it works. Um, the problem that sport has had is live. You need to watch golf and sport live. The value of sport plummets when it's not live. No. So um, that is creating tech problems that are boring but really important mm-hmm. because you know if you I've watched a. a a world cup game england versus sweden in a in a if you ever watched it in a public arena if you've got a in a bar and a one one's a tv and one's a stream the stream is sometimes two or three minutes behind so you know and it spoils everything because obviously you see the you hear the noise of the goal going in from the crowd um and 
you're still waiting and the ball's still in midfield. So, you know, you can imagine that in a golfing context that that is that's a problem. So they haven't worked that out yet. And that's that's got a, you know, this um, live concurrency, as it's called, is is a is a real difficulty. But, you know, that again, I say it's boring, but important. Um, And it affects the. The, the perception and some of the, you know, particularly over here, I'm in the UK here. We had, um, you know, the, the Tiger Woods Sunday, the great run on uh, the PGA and no one could find the bloody thing. You know, you're searching around the internet. You're trying to find apps that work. You're trying, it's not on the, it's not, no broadcaster is running it. It's on 11, which very few people had ever heard of. Um, and that is creating quite a bit of antagonism and, and irritation amongst golf fans who just want to you know let's face it, it, it i don't want to have to do a sort of you get my dongles out and my usb ports and all this stuff just want to watch just, golf. To, just to watch, <laughs> watch the golf and that's you know where our patience is being tested i think as, yeah. as golf fans because you know we used to flick channels and now we're we're, we're we're sort of jumping through hoops. Yeah, indeed. That was a whole mess, that whole 11 thing for the PJ. We'll come to that in a minute. That concurrency thing, Clates, kind of affects us here in Australia already, I think, even with live broadcast television. I notice uh, uh, when I watch the majors now, and the masters in particular, I turn Twitter off because it runs a couple of seconds ahead of the broadcast here in Australia. Now, it's not much. It's not like you have with the streaming services, but that can be very off-putting, can't it, Clates, when you read on Twitter that Jordan Spieth made the putt that you're just watching him stand over at this point. So that's not a kind of a new thing in that way. What's your sort of uh, TV viewing habits? Because I suppose we turn on Fox down here, don't we? Fox Sports, and we watch the golf. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, it's easy. It comes on in the morning, so the American golf's perfect timing for here, but which is not relevant to the discussion, but... Yeah, we just turn on Fox and watch it. Mm. So it sounded like the PGA was a complete mess in Britain. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Get to that in a moment. Richard, how does this work? So Discovery, is the it, they've started Golf TV, they're calling it. So what's dis, what is Discovery and what's its role here? I, when I think Discovery, I think of documentaries and particularly sort of animal sort of documentaries on our pay TV yeah. service here in Australia. Is that what they do and what, what's in it for them to branch into to golf in, in particular? Um. So, yes, it is. The Discovery Channel, is, is that's what it's famous for. Um, they made a big sort of statement in the sports market by buying Eurosport um, a few years ago and then going on to paying an enormous amount of money for the Olympics in Europe, essentially, which they then are, sub. you know, you get into the sort of deal-making side of things and they're sub-licensing to various broadcasters. And there is an Olympic channel, which is, a, which is again, an OTT channel, which they are um, involved in. So to answer your question, they are building a portfolio, which includes PGA Tour, but also includes Tiger Woods, as we'll get on to, um, and Oprah and home channels and various other um, areas of broadcasting that they think that has a, have a, have a market. Now, if you then say, if you, if you, the assumption is that we will go and um, tune in because we are particularly interested in golf and, you know, you've got it, it, what it, what is unknown is, is the, the, the casual fan. And the other question is actually how obsessed golf fans are and are they obsessed enough to just pay for golf or, you know, how many of them are actually watching Sky or Fox for, for everything? Um, and then how much of it are they actually just specifically picking golf out? And, of course, there are, there are 
models that you can then look at and say, okay, this number, you need this number of people to pay this subscription for this to work. Um, so, you know, they're building a, 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 an entity. One of the one of the challenges is is actually branding. I think. Yeah, that's right. View, that, you don't you don't think you know, both, sport when you think discovery, do you? That's a problem for them, I would think. No, you don't. And and also Eurosport has a particular resonance in Europe and in particularly in the UK, and it's not particularly favourable because it was always seen as you know it, it was everywhere and nowhere. You know, it hadn't. It was something that you never. It was always on in hotel rooms, but you never particularly chose to watch. Um, you wouldn't. You know, everyone had it on the initial sort of packages but they never had anything in your market that you wanted to watch particularly which is an unfair you know probably a bit Mm. glib but that that was the sort of that was the case um and discovery likewise is is you know the documentaries and and nature documentaries and lions tearing apart antelopes uh, you know have their place but they're not absolute must-have television they're not something that is going to drive subscriptions um in the same way and so what and and on um, the same interview I'm referencing, which is on Jeff's Jeff's site, you know, they were talking about well, what what would we what you know what's the best television? What what sports do we need for people absolutely have to have this channel? And that's difficult in golf, as we know, because it's a very difficult, um, complex rights market because all the majors, if you if you want to own golf. Presumably, you start at the majors. Now they're owned by four different yeah, rights holders. Right. <laughs> um, they're yep. going to be selling them separately. Yep. The PJ Tour has its crown jewels, but it also has a lot of, you know, Dross. so-so content. Yep. Um, likewise, European Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you're looking at getting everything that a golfer wants in one place, which if you know, if this is the ambition of Discovery, that is one it's very difficult and also the the timing is not favorable because some of these existing contracts don't run out until sort of early to you know past 2020 2022 so it's gonna be a while before they can make the claim that they've got everything um but that's i guess they're they're you know that's the statement they're making it's interesting they've chosen golf Mm. you know because it's it's uh, it, it, you know we love it but it's not everyone it's not it, it's not seen as against say football for example um it's very hard to sort of make an argument to say that golf is going to sort of be transformative so there'll be other stuff as well might it be the case richard but, uh, that you know, they've said fantastic. if we can make it work for golf we can make it work for anything because it's the hardest of all the <laughs> the sports to do maybe that's what they're thinking if they can master that <laughs> it's a very expensive argument they're making <laughs> they're do indeed just with the mechanics of it, Richard, so uh, on Fox here, which is our equivalent of Sky Sports there, and Lord knows how many pay TV channels you've got access to, Jeff, it'll be a lot more than we've got here. We have a Discovery Channel. Is that where the golf will be? Will I turn on Fox and go to the Discovery Channel and I'll find golf TV? Is that how it will work? Uh, it will be marketed um, in its own right as golf TV, I imagine this, a lot of this is unknown by the right. way. Okay. Um, and what your, what your question is, is um, getting at one of the biggest problems because what actually is happening is that you are taking, um, you know, companies and they are having to be different types of companies. So what I mean by that is that this uh, PJ golf, PJ tour, for example, they are a what would be defined essentially as a B two B business, business to business um, organization. They package their rights and they sell them to another business. Now, if you are, if the aspiration is that you become a B two C business, a, a 
business that sells to consumers directly, then essentially what you're doing is that you need different people because that's a different marketing is much maligned. But if you do it badly, people notice and marketing and the packaging of this stuff is going to have to be really good because it's going to have to cut through a very competitive market. And those are advertising sort of um, and marketing skills that that rights holders and broadcasters don't particularly have in abundance. The other bit that they have, so there's three parts to this. You need brilliant content. It needs to needs to be great stuff. You know, they need to know that I need to know that 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 the golf is going to be really good and it's going to be presented very well. All the broadcasting attributes. You also need to be like a, a Walmart. You know, you have to have the marketing stuff lined up. You also need to act like Amazon because the tech has to be there and you also have to know the data arguments and you know below the bonnet of these things is is a whole data operation where they are um, identifying who is going to be in the market for this and target the, targeting them with with messages and prompts to to sign up etc like you know as Amazon do so those three things are not necessarily they don't necessarily reside within a broadcaster or you know the PGA tour or or, or you know anywhere else frankly and so that's expensive to to start to tool up on the people side as well yeah. so it's a it's, it's a big risk and it's it's you know and it is fundamentally changing what these broadcasters are trying to do yeah uh jeff my head's spinning with all of that i suppose a couple of things i wanted to ask you about what are some of the specifics that we know about the deal that's been made and i know that one of them that you've constantly pointed to is all of this of course is happening outside of america for golf the pga tour viewing experience in america won't change one jot for the foreseeable future will it but for those of us in australia we might wake up on january 1 and not be able to find the golf on television (laughs) that that, that may be what's going to happen so uh, a couple of your thoughts first up on exactly what's happened at this point and then looking forward yeah oh i think Richard set it up very nicely. I, I mean, there are three stories here. There is the the PGA Tour trying to consolidate and and create a better way of of presenting and finding golf internationally, and having somebody paying them for the the headache of doing all that that legwork and helping them uh, present things uh, in a more streamlined way. Uh, that has nothing to do with streaming. That's just just a business story for them internationally. So that's number one. Uh, and then you have uh, number two, uh, their desire to uh, create um, their own network and create their own uh, storytelling about their players um, and – feeling like they have to have a partner uh, that will that they have uh, an equity stake in, and I assume they do in this, uh, who uh, will do that. And so this is where Discovery has come along. Uh, and then the third component of this is a leverage creation business for both Discovery and the PGA Tour. Discovery uh, looks like something that's being set up to be sold, Potentially, or everybody in the uh-huh. every business in the United States thinks that way. They don't really think about the customer first. They think about what what can we create that somebody may may buy from us, and and we'll cash in our bonuses and and leave the mess behind to somebody else. And so they may be building a, a, a product here to make themselves more attractive. And then the PGA Tour uh, loves the idea of having this to leverage over their network partners 
at uh, Golf Channel, NBC, CBS as something that they're doing that just like the other sports leagues have done in the United States. Uh, and we could just, you know, always just go into the business ourselves kind of thing. Uh, and that's the other element to this. So, um, one of the, one of the elements I view as, as very positive and smart, if it, if it all, uh, works out the way you would hope, uh, so that internationally people can find golf better. The other two components do nothing to serve the sport of golf, the viewer, um, and I'm not even sure the players really, maybe down the road someday, uh, they'll, they'll have, a, if this were to go off and be at something, they'd have, uh, they'd have a stake in a network and they'd have that, that vaunted equity that they all are obsessed with. Um, and so I think it's a very risky, uh, move, uh, by the tour to, um, to be so bold the way they are about it, misrepresenting, I feel, um, what it is because they just keep, they, they send out press releases. The PGA tour does for these announcements for discovery, uh, for things that have nothing to do with the United States viewer, um, including tiger woods. Uh, no, no American viewer is going to be able to watch this content that he's going to be creating for them until 2022 at the earliest. Unless some contract has changed. So I don't understand setting up the golf fan to think that the and, – and it's now become uh, just a running – it's just a joke in the United States. I mean, everybody, it's the pitches. We're, we're going to be the Netflix of uh, toilet paper. Uh, we're going to be the Netflix of, of picture framing. Uh, it's, just, it's just – I mean, I guess it works. But I just I, – to me, it's a, it's a red flag that somebody's just throwing out – that they actually don't really have an original business idea, uh, and they're using that to to get people excited, and it works. I do see people, um, young people, they hear that and they just they just got it aroused, and you just want to say, well, it's a little more complicated uh, than being the Netflix of just. Of golf. So just to jump in there, there is a. Um, on the risk thing, and I agree with what you just said. There is a negative in the in the sort of horizon of the PGA Tour, which is that those big rights fees that um, the big networks were paying, they they're going away. You know that that that's their prediction. You know they're they're suggesting that um, you know the the fat subscription model that we've we've had for that's been in place for for some time has driven a sort of media rights boom in in sport. Um, the, the future of that is very questionable. So part of this is um, a positive growth story, which is the one they're presenting. The other one is a sort of trying to mitigate the risk of, of you know, a, a quick decline in, in their rights. Um, and the, one of the reason, reasons that they've done the deal for over such a long period of time, one is that it takes a long time to get this going. Um, and there's a lot of moving parts, in particularly in the first five years. But the other bit is that it, it does give you give them – some security the money's come, they know where the money's coming in for the next 12 years 12 years is an enormously long period of you know period of time in, and particularly when we talk about a tech product which is what we are you know we're looking back at what you know uh 2006 you know that's a that, facebook wasn't around then i don't think so you know it's an enormously long window um and part of the reason for that is 
is risk mitigation against a, a, a really difficult to tell um, rights market. That all of the all of the suggestion is that if you are absolute premium um, top end and you can claim a global audience, a World Cup, an Olympics, a Premier League, a Champions League, and you know an, an NFL, all of these the rights will carry on below that absolute uber top level. That's not going to be the case um, because that they were just a lot of it was filler, you know, and, and I always equate this back to um, the music industry. There's a very clever bloke, um, Jim Barksdale, who founded Netscape in the 90s, you know, one of the early Internet browsers. And his his line, which I love, is that, you know, there are two ways of making money in business. And one is to bundle something. And then the second is to unbundle stuff and essentially what we're looking at here is is you know if you look at the music business you and news you you for years you had i mean i remember buying 45s you know <laughs> singles oh, goodness me. you bought you bought an album and the album was a was a you know a collection of stuff a bit like a sports package and you you okay some there's some great stuff in it but you had to put up with the crap as well um, yeah. And then Napster came along and, it, and the internet and it completely disaggregated that and you then sort of took out MP3s and now we're seeing a rebundling. So you've had that cycle. So Spotify and, and um, Pandora, these are putting back together with, with lists. They're essentially albums again and you're paying a subscription for that. So you, you're seeing a cycle. Now that won't happen in, to the same degree in sport because the rights holders in the middle won't let that happen. They are the cartel that are that are sort of um say well we 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 own this and we're going to protect the intellectual property of it but you can see that actually that's the force at work here so we're seeing we you know the bundling of sport together has worked for some organizations and now we're seeing an unbundling we're seeing the rights being pulled apart and a golf offered separately to football to tennis and you know each of them going over the top there'll be winners and losers at the, in this obviously um but it's a question of trying to work out okay well you, you're going to probably have to do it to mitigate the what is going to come which is a decline in your sort of core media income well the one thing i would well the, the one component that's different in golf that, that throws a really fun wrinkle in this and why i think um this will will, will not turn out quite the way a lot of people think uh is that golf has so many different sponsors of these tournaments and they're the ones who are putting up a lot of money uh each week and the quest for this this certain new model on on television while i i agree with you somewhat on the rights fees although here in the united states we have every major sports entity is still interested in golf despite uh, the, the audience size because of the demographics, because it, it's live sports, it takes up a lot of time. You still have elements that are really uh, unique like Tiger. and So I think they're going to be there with the rights fees. Um, but the difference is you have this sponsorship model that the PGA Tour created, Dean Beeman, where the, the sponsor essentially guarantees a, a large portion of the advertising purchase on the telecast. So it's a great model. It works for the tour. It works for the sponsor, begrudgingly sometimes when the ratings aren't as great, and then works for the networks. Um, and so when the gentleman at Discovery, uh, who I think says a lot of really compelling things, but he pulls out his phone and starts waving it, this is where you're going to be watching mm-hmm. golf. Uh, and it's all about getting the, to the kids and the small screens, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
golf is a very is it is a very hard sport to voluntarily watch. It is not like a football game or a basketball game um, where those translate better to a small screen and they have a live urgency to them and they are played at a pace where you want to make sure you watch the end of that. And of course, the end of a golf tournament is exciting too, but. The amount of hours we're talking, people are not sitting in front of a phone watching a golf tournament for very long. And more importantly, the sponsors who are putting up a lot of money each week uh, to have their logos seen and all the things that go along with sponsorship uh, are not enamored with the idea of 119,000 people streaming the final round of a golf tournament on, on, um, on a variety of devices versus being on network television that's in uh, every bar and restaurant available and every airport that's easy to find, that's on a larger screen, that's delivered on a reliable method. Granted, it's one that's caused us a lot of headaches, cable television, but I don't sense, and I've been hearing this finally from a few players who've been getting it from tournament directors and sponsors, uh, I, they're, not, they're not seeing yet how this full, new model justifies the sponsorship experience and obviously there are many elements to sponsoring a golf tournament pro-ams and and different things but some of the basics of branding and and a number of sheer number of eyeballs are threatened by the rush to a model that is not ready for for prime time and has not been proven to be something that works for a, a large audience as we saw with the match recently they could not process payments um, so that's basic stuff, isn't it, Jeff? That's that basic I'd stuff. add to like what happened with the PGA in the UK. You'd, even those who would make all the effort to get it, you couldn't get it. The technology failed you. Whereas television, you know, yeah. you turn it on and it's there. Uh, and I think your point yeah. about the small screen is well and, made for golf in particular. And also it? to the to the point of the it, it's there. Golf is a is is not an action sport. So most people watch golf as a as something on in the background, and then they pay close attention when something interesting happens or when you get close to the final round. And the streaming experience is still a more proactive experience. It's a great one when you're traveling and you want to see your team. It's great, and a lot of you know you're in a commute and you're you're bored. And you want to you you're not home. You want to watch the game, but. When when you, the, the the main experience of sitting down and watching, it's still a lot of work. And golf is not compelling enough, except at select times, for people to go out of their way to open up their app and and um, and and to go about watching this and having a, a lucrative subscription. And so I, I I just think it's a very bullish uh, approach to something that has so many question marks. And that's why I ultimately feel like it's more about a, a business leveraging play uh, and covering a bet in case streaming does really just start to work well. Um, and then I just have one last thing on this uh, that I have to get off my chest. That I, I, the kids want their a la carte, and I get it. And everybody wants a la carte. They hate paying for things they don't watch. But the math now is such that... <laughs> It is going to be more expensive very soon if you would like to have sports, Disney, Hulu, Netflix, um, the, the key brands in this area. Everybody's going to have a subscription service. And by the time you do the math and pay for your Internet, it's more expensive than cable television. 
Yeah. And Which, that's again, I comes back. Understand. Because I, th- I think what will, you know, then, um, and the assumption, a lot of the, a lot of business models and, you know, a lot of business models today are based on the assumption that, you know, the working model is we will get bought by Amazon or, or Apple yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, or Google. Yeah. And that's essentially, you know, the, the, why, why they exist. So they're, they're trying to build up value. If you buy lots of famous sports properties, it's yeah. been done many times before. You bundle them into, a, into a, a one entity and then just hope you get bought. Um, and, you know, if you said, okay, if you fast forward in that, let's say, three, five years time, there is a story that you hear a lot, which is, and this is particularly around the Premier League, is that instead of having all of these different uh, broadcasters, if Apple or Amazon came in, they've got the money, they've got the incentive, they're in content. If they said, right, OK, every every football match live and here it is via prime or apple tv the market changes at you know at a stroke and they pay whatever the you know enormous amounts of money for it and away we go and that's that's a story that has been around for a long time i think it's embedded into the assumptions of some of these um streaming companies because they know that you know if they make themselves uh attractive to um the fangs then that's going to you know, that, that will be the, the end point. One of the questions for the PGA Tour and the European Tour um, and every sports rights uh, governing body is, you know, the famous grow, grow the game, for, you know, question. Because <laughs> it used to be yeah. that, you know, that they used to stand, sit at press conferences and say, look, you know, I'm here. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a, I'm, I'm, a pass, I'm, I'm passing through. I'm just a guardian of this game, blah, blah, blah. And now sometimes they don't even bother saying that, you know, they're just, it's just like, you know, um, they, the audience numbers on these things are a small, like to your point, a small fraction of what's available on network television. And um, it's the sponsors dilemma, but it's also the games dilemma. Mm. You know, it's, it's making it culturally less relevant if you have to, you know, have a degree in computing to try and find the bloody thing when you need to. Indeed. Clates, this brings me neatly to you. You're both player and consumer. As a player, when you played on the tour, I know that these things were less complex then. Are the players taking an interest in this? Do you think the players, is this the sort of thing they are or should be interested in? And then as a consumer, what are you going to do if you get up on January 1 and you turn on Fox and the golf isn't there and now you have to go looking for it? How many of us will do that, do you reckon? I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, not well. As long as I can watch the majors, I'm happy with that. Me too. So one of my questions for Richard, Richard was when you spoke about the Olympics and the Premier League and those those huge events. Are there any golf events that can sit with those in terms of? I mean, would you put the Ryder Cup and the Masters in there with those events as kind of compelling must-watch golf versus the Wyndham Classic or the? Yeah, I think you know, like you, my assumption would be exactly those. You know, Ryder Cup, three of the majors, maybe. Um, yeah, and that'll be it. Yeah, I don't see anyone. You know, the 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 tours are. You know, the whole idea of a tour is a sort of marketing conceit in itself, isn't it? You know, it's just a sort of uh, it, it's a, a bunch of disparate events put pulled together, and and hmm. it's that. It's you know, if you then um, 
I mean, over here, the majors are all over the place. You know, Sky has obviously made a made a move. They've moved off from the BBC. The Open is is you know now quite hard to to uh, navigate. Um, and the PGA <laughs> PGA um, doesn't exist. You know, yeah, and it's which is again, I think it's very hard in this world, you know, in this market to think long term, but. Um, Again, I keep coming back to cultural relevance. Golf is becoming less culturally relevant to the broad public than it ever has been, and and one of the reasons is that it's in, it's becoming invisible. Or you know, you're yeah. testing the casual viewer. Um, but to answer your question, I think those events, certainly the Ryder Cup, is a you know as a, a prize jewel in the in in Sky's um, world, and that's that's you know no secret. The majors. Yeah, but the BBC weren't bothered. You know, the BBC let the Open go almost, you know, without a second glance. And they kept Wimbledon, but let the Open go, which tells you everything. Which is pretty amazing, isn't it, really? I mean, to think the BBC let the Open go when that was a... Surely that must have been a hugely popular golf program on the BBC, wouldn't it? It was, but not amongst people who run the you know who the bbc is under enormous pressure from government to save money and and it was a relatively you know it's it's the politics of it were quite um interesting but again it's not wimbledon has i think protected its brand fantastically well compared mm. to the open you know, you over that? a period of 15 years what do you mean richard it's it's embedded itself into uh, sort of the, the just the fabric of both the BBC. It's done brilliantly there, and, and it's, it's covered fantastically well, and has been willing to innovate. Um, and in terms of, if you watch Wimbledon and you know you watch the Open on the BBC this, a couple of years ago, it's like the Open is still in about 1975. You know, you, you have a you're lucky you have a sort of uh, an action replay. Wimbledon, they've thrown the kitchen sink in terms of data analytics and and you know gizmos at it done it brilliantly but also um maintained a real clarity around the brand itself so wimbledon you're not allowed advertising around the the board it looks like wimbledon every time you go there it's like the masters you know i, I always put wimbledon and the masters in the same bracket and just in terms of just a a, a, a almost fanatic um or a fanatical sort of obsession with detail um, over a period of time, so I think you know they have to. That's that's how you protect value in a in a in a crazy market where everything is for sale. Um, and I don't think the open the open has suffered. I think over the years because of that, and also the BBC, it was just easily more easily politically to get rid of the open. Yeah. It's an old blow, old white man's game. That's right. It's a golf thing. Um, isn't it? It's a golf problem. That, yeah. That image so problem. you get into a broader debate, but the BBC is always in the middle of that, and. Um, I'm a massive fan of the BBC, but it was, you know, I think the way it scarpered from golf is, is was really disappointing. Shameful, actually, in all in all honesty. Well, yeah. <laughs> and for the RNA to allow um, it to happen was uh, was not in the best interest of the game. And even the players realised that at the time, didn't they, Jeff? When golf disappears from free-to-air TV, you lose a, a, a critical connection between the next generation of golfers 
and what they can actually get access to. So not a not a great thing. Shaq, listening to all of that, do we have some sympathy for the PGA Tour, the European Tour, the RNA, the USGA, the people who are trying to work through this current media mire? Nobody's got any answers, do they? It's not simple, right. is it? If you're yeah. running an organisation, no. what do you do? What would you do? There's no question that it's a difficult situation where you have to try to anticipate something and 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 when we just continue to be surprised where things go i think where i get uh and you probably can sense it in my coverage uh if you've read any of my blog posts where there's and and obviously again i i work for the 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 golf channel i i love that the golf channel has a pga tour and i know where it's going to be every week and i think a lot of their fans treasure that uh, I value, especially after the match, um, how well cable works these days. I don't value paying a lot of money each month for a box. but So I, I value a lot of different things. And what bothers me in the way they're going about this uh, is there's a sense of hostility towards their partners. Um, and I don't understand that. I've asked people in business why you would approach things with with this kind of a, a, a sensibility, especially if you know Jay, Jay Monahan's not a hostile person, and yet you see a lot of the the gestures and the moves and sort of the passive aggressive things or the or the just blatantly misleading things uh, like the announcement and rollout of this discovery again from the American perspective, this idea that we're going to get any of this. Um, and I don't. I've asked people in business what you. Uh, I asked somebody the other day, a very successful person, doesn't that, isn't that dangerous to go into a, a, a negotiation or a, or planning or a think, thinking about how these things go, uh, a period, with, a, with an angry attitude? Doesn't that cloud your thinking? Isn't there the danger that you're going to make poor decisions because you're doing it from a point of, of anger? And, and uh, I've gotten mixed answers on that. Some say, yeah, absolutely, that's that's not the way to approach it. Others are like, no, that's that's you have to do that to get the best deal, kind of thing. Um, and so I, and then I struggle, of course, with the uh, eternal question of why would you want somebody paying you, uh, or why would you why do you value ownership of a channel and your your broadcasting of your product of golf? over having somebody just writing you a very nice check, which I still think, I mean, Richard may be right. The rights fee bubble has burst a bit, but not entirely on sports, at least here. And I, you look at golf and the people who are lining up, who want to be a part of it. It's, it's part of a bigger play with all these major corporations. So I'm not really too worried about them uh, getting the rights fees, especially because of the wonderful sponsorship model that, uh, that uh, Dean Beeman and friends uh, created where a lot of the ad selling work is done. Um, and ultimately what I've concluded is a lot of that anger comes from a, just a, a stupid uh, place that makes no sense where the golf channel got a very good deal with the PGA tour over a long period of time. And the tour brass now uh, and Tim Fincham's era are mad that, they didn't get ownership of the channel. Well, at the time when the deal was made, everybody thought it was nuts. They thought it was nuts for the tour to commit to somebody that long, and they thought it was nuts for the golf channel to to, to pay and commit to the PGA Tour that much 
programming and that much time? Well, it turned out it's been a really good deal for mm-hmm. both of them, and the network deals have been pretty darn good, except for the fact that they are too long, and then they don't have the incentive maybe to to adapt to the technology of the times in television maybe as fast as we like. Things like Tracer and, um, you know, the networks have been slow to adapt because there's no incentive, there's no contract up. And every time we see somebody with a contract up, we see you know, CBS just rolled out. You People in the U.K. didn't see it, but amazing uh, technology the last two years at the PGA Championship after, after years of a broadcast that looked um, 20 years old. So it just leaves me confused on a number of fronts, and ultimately I don't sense that any of it is really truly thinking of, of the fan. Um, necessarily, no, no, maybe, no. maybe a young fan, maybe a fantasy fan that's going to be there, that's going to be a thirty-three-year-old uh, making a two hundred thousand dollars a year that that never has known what cable TV is, and that's great. You're going to reach them, but I'm just not convinced that's that's going to reach a mass audience, yeah. and uh, it's dangerous. Just before we come to Tiger and what might be in it for him, and 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 why that's such an interesting part of this whole deal, Richard. What are the dangers for a league like the PGA Tour and other sports leagues have done it where you can understand the incentive of we'd like to own our own network and our own coverage, we can then control the message that became possible with the internet. We see it at PGATour.com and all of the organisations have their own website. In fact, you have to have your own website, which becomes your own media mouthpiece. But it's not the business you're in, are you? Is it? Nobody at the PGA Tour, as far as I know, has run a television Network. What are the dangers of stepping outside of your area of expertise? I think Jeff's pointed out a couple of mistakes that they might have made. You, you can. You, it's easy to sit back and think how great it would be, isn't it, if you're the PGA Tour? We have our own network and we can do whatever we want. It's never quite that simple, is it? It's not. I mean, and as a journalist, I'm very, always very nervous about editorial integrity. You know, that's that's going to is that still a thing? Your... Isn't that isn't that like the Walkman, Richard? Well, is that still I suppose. Well, yeah, I know. Not much of that. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I do. Well, no, I, I'm curious I, because I've had this conversation with people. Don't you trust when you're, even if it's sports, don't you, don't you value that there's a a, a, a a network in between that's telling the story when you feel like it's the 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 uh, the, the, the the entity itself? It's their coverage. There's always a suspicion that you're not getting the full story, mm-hmm. even though again we're just talking about a sporting event. But if something happens. And knowing the way golf is, uh, is it, I just don't see how people are going to really have a trust in the coverage if it comes from the from the the, the tour that's hosting the event. Still true, Richard. I think that's yeah. true of our generation. Is that still true for the next generation? Uh, well, I think I I like to think so. I'm mm. you know as I say, I, as a journalist, I'm I'm going to land on that side of that debate. I do I do think that you know it, it's in danger of becoming you know sort of. That line, it's like golf by Hello Magazine, isn't it? You know, you sort of everything's great, and and the the, the post match interview, which is one of the most sort of uh, you know stupidest sort of media conventions ever, anyway. But I mean, they're just asking a question that a player doesn't like, and you are, you know, it's like MUTV over here, you know, Man United Television. You sort of, it's it's just a blur of everything's fantastic in the garden you know and and i don't want to watch that particularly i i enjoy cut and thrust you know and i know the reality of it and i know the pressures 
And I know that quite often broadcasters, because they've paid a shitload of money for, for rights, aren't going to rock the boat by, by pissing off the rights holder. Um, so it's, it's there implicitly anyway. But I think it's a strange message um, to send um, and not a healthy one, I don't think. The other one is, to your point about expertise, I think that is true. And I think that is something that worries them. PJ Tour have done, a, you know, the, the whole point of doing it with, via Discovery is that they're, they're leaning into that and, you know, the line between uh, the PJ Tour and Discovery and Golf TV is probably going to be quite a thin one anyway. Um, so corporately, you can see that that would be a way of doing it. And it gives them 12 years to, to learn, I guess. Mm. Uh, on a complete side note, Shaq, I think Fox have been brilliant at two very controversial US Opens at doing exactly what we were just There's talking about that- there. I know. Isn't that the funny part? They, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, they <laughs> built their. They got their big street cred moment by yep. calling calling it like they saw it, and yep. of course it made the USGA man, no doubt. <laughs> Which is, uh, but the but but that's again the USGA is a separate entity. The the PGA Tour is the is a players organization, and as Clates will attest, um, they they can pick up the phone. A player will not hesitate to fire off a text to Jay Monahan and go, hey, how come this, uh, this uh, yeah, I, I, I don't need to come in after I, I make an eight on the last hole and have somebody asking me why I made an eight on the last hole. And, and um, you know, he, I don't know how he reacts to those things, but there's always going to be that concern that. Just shows him the money. Uh, and, 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 you know, part of the thing, too, is it's just the climate we're in, and, and Richard can attest to this, it's, there's a, um, a sense of, of players that the the press is out to get them and and they want a partner that won't be out like that and and you just think my gosh you know we have to ask when you when you make a poor uh club choice somebody people want to know the answer why did you pick why did you why did you go for the green and two instead of laying up it's not it's not a we're not, we're not trying to embarrass them or make we, we understand it's a hard game but they take that as if it's trying to diminish their brand or something there's a, I mean, this is a good, this is a good segue, isn't it, into the Tiger Woods thing? Because it is. Um, I'm. Hang on, sorry, I Richard. Just, at, just uh, before we go there, Richard, I want to yeah. ask Clates as a player: has that relationship changed? I think I've asked you about this. Before. Do you see in younger players a different attitude towards the press, and do you see a different attitude in the press and the media towards players than when you played? It was a much simpler time, I know, when you played the tour. Well, in Australia. Europe, definitely, yeah. I mean, the players all knew the press and were happy to sit down and talk to them. And, and we and we trusted them because we knew we could trust them. They weren't going to go off and, you know, write a story that no one wanted written that, that wasn't relevant to golf. So there was an absolute trust between the players and the media. Mm. But now there's, the, you know, it's a, it's a general distrust of, it's a bigger question in America of Trump and the fake news and, you know, there's a general distrust of the media, certainly from the right wing of the, the players who all vote one way. And, you know, Trump certainly fermented that general distrust of anyone in the media. You can't trust what they're going to do or say. So, you know, and they can't be bothered dealing with them, it seems to me, which is such a pity because they are important relationships. You know, Bob Drum and Arnold Palmer and or, you know, it's, or Dan Jenkins and Hogan and those things are an important part of reporting the game. And it seems like a lot of that's gone. I'm not sure if that's true, but it seems to me that's the way it is. Well, I don't definitely think it's true. There's, there's middlemen now where there never used to be middlemen. I can put it to you this way, Clades. If I wanted to interview Jason Day next July, 
I'd have to start now. <laughs> and I'd, the answer would probably still be no. Right. But you, yeah, you don't get to but, Adam but, Scott, Jason Day, Tiger Woods. You just don't. It's just that simple. You don't even bother trying anymore because you know what Yeah, I wouldn't say so much, Adam. But, yeah, Jason definitely, he, he goes through the manager, he just puts a block up. Yeah, indeed. No. Yeah, the, answer, the default position is no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which and stops a lot of people. Talk, Jason, <laughs> let's not go down that, that just, road. Yeah, let's not go down that rat hole. But get his, get his thoughts on architecture, yeah, perhaps, as we, <laughs> as we did. The other yeah. thing. And the other thing, Clates, do players talk about this stuff? Would this be getting discussed on the PGA Tour, do you think? What what the PGA Tour are doing and Discovery TV? Do, play, do players have any interest in that, or do they just they just know when the well, checks? I, are I doubt it. I doubt it because it's something that's not happening in America. It's, it's the rest of the world watching the PGA Tour. The players in America, don't, I wouldn't have thought cared about it too much. I don't know, but Jeff would know better than I. I I, I think it's a great question, and I. Since a lot of this discovery stuff has rolled out, I haven't been at really at any tour events. And of course, again, as you say, we don't really have many uh, opportunities to discuss these things with a player. Adam is Scott's one of the few who you, know, you could ask, and he will stand there and he'll pause for a second. And uh, he's not choosing his words; he's actually thinking about uh, his answer. And of course, it's always it's just always sensational, and it's it's uh, said with with uh, insight and having given the thing the matter. Uh, thought there aren't many Joe Ogilvy's even anymore who are just uh, uh, guys who are interested in, in in the business discussion. You know, Charles Howell would be one. There, I could probably think of a few players who would be uh, who wouldn't who wouldn't take it that you're bringing this up in a in a hostile way. They would just think you're they would they'd be intrigued by the business discussion and the and the ramifications for the tour and then they're just going to be players who just love they just hear dollar figures and <laughs> what this will do to bump yeah. up purses yeah. um or playing opportunities and so but i just don't sense there are many players that and i don't and i i'm not sure how much it is their job to mm. get bogged down in the details unless again it's a like a joe ogilvy it's a fun yeah. Uh, distraction because his passion is as business and deals and and the art of the deal and and who how does this benefit everybody? Um, there aren't a lot of a lot of players uh, into that because they now are surrounded by their their team and their each member of the team has a job to, uh, to 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 be the brain on certain topics and that's my nice way of saying <laughs> they're you know, they're very focused. Uh, on one thing only. Well, in fairness, it is their just, job just to, a, to the flop just, shot, isn't it? Sorry. Adam, open invitation, Adam Scott. You must come on State of the Game. Sorry, just in case he's listening. Richard, and I want to come back to you about Tiger, but what, what did you have there for us? Yeah, no, I was just it, it just actually just following on from what uh, Jeff and, and Clates were saying there, is that um, I've been working on a project called Optro, and that's just launched in the last couple of weeks. And that is talking about do the players care, um, that is a uh, is a mixture of, of basically the, it's David Beckham with Lionel Messi and Neymar and then every other famous footballer you can imagine and and it's their uh, ultra means other it's their other place and I've got no skin in this game it was just a, a job and it's it's come and gone I've no idea whether it's any good or not frankly but it's it's a it's a variation it's quite an interesting idea because what it's saying is that that people want to want the stars and, and the players want to own 
that. And it's the same messaging that Tiger is, is putting out around um, his thing with, with discovery. It's all about controlling the message, bypassing the media. I don't want to be misrepresented no, by Jesus. That was, yeah. and so, that was so unfortunate when he said that. You wouldn't want him asking me about scraping the ball out of the bush with you the other day. You wouldn't want a little pesky question on how many times did he hit it. <laughs> no, he would. Well, that's the problem. These things are all fine if they're any good. It's just that if they are just PR nonsense, then you know no mm. one's going to care anyway. But uh, that's what we do need. You know, I think I, I sort of think journalism will come back into fashion. In, you know, that's a very romantic idea. But you know, mm. people will get bored of, of just the sheer the vanilla. You know, the, the vanilla eventually yeah. gets boring, doesn't it? Because it's ultimately tasteless, um, and you want something more than just vanilla, and that's kind of the danger. Does this speak, Richard? I think you probably answered my Tiger question, which was kind of, well, what's in it for him? You can understand what's in it for any kind of TV entity to have Tiger on board because you know that you're guaranteed to get a certain number of hits, even if it is vanilla. But I think you're right. For him, it's, well, this is great. We can just go straight past the media, as you said, uh, and talk directly to fans. But is this an indication of a bigger thing that's happening in media it seems to me that about the only media of any value left is live sport because of the time shift element of all the modern technologies live sport's the only valuable guaranteed to be on at this time media entity left isn't it we used to come home and watch well clates will know what i'm talking about you'd come home on tuesday to watch the sullivans at seven thirty. that was the only time you could watch it that's gone now isn't it sport's the only thing left in that way and will that change the media landscape we, we generally used to- we used to get the Sullivans over here as well. Oh, did you? Great show. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sons and daughters, the whole of it. Oh, God. Um, the, <laughs> I don't know. Apologies for that. Pat the rat. <laughs> Goodness me. Sorry, Jeff, you won't understand any of this. the documentary. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, um, the Tiger thing, uh, so, again, the answer is is. I think obvious he wants he doesn't want to talk to journalists and he wants to be paid you know more um but the other bit to it is that if you look at again if you use football as a as a, a sort of comp- comparison um it is noticeable again the received wisdom is that the further away from the ground you get so if you're a man united or or arsenal or whatever the further away from the ground you get the more star oriented the fandom becomes and so and you can see, and we, you look at fan base research over a period of time, you can see that um, actually, you know, Neymar being the case study, you move from Barcelona to, to Paris and people stop being, because they're Neymar fans, they're not Barcelona fans, they moved and now, you know, uh, would define themselves as following PSG in the research. And research is unreliable quite often, but, it, you know, that that is interesting in itself. So they have enormous power to, to move people and audiences. People like to follow um, superstars. I mean, I'm, I'm not disparaging this, by the way. I was at the Ryder Cup, and I, I hadn't seen Tiger live for a few years, and I just couldn't keep my eyes off him. You he's know, and he was he's sort of... He's, he's yeah, it's just, just sheer charisma. Mm. It's just such an interesting person to watch. And so that's completely natural, and we've always done it, you know, and back to Walter Hagen. So it's, it's not, that's not new, but what is new is that they do have now the capability of being their own media platforms in the same way as we've talked about going live to direct to consumer for, for mm. the tour. The players have that chance as well. And some of the, the more, you know, the thing is in golf, the top players just paid so much money yeah. that they don't need to. Um, there is a, it's interesting though, the incentives around when I, you know, coming back to my Otro example, the footballers, you think, well, they've got more money than, than, you know, God, 
Um, however, there is the incentive is to they they see Kobe Bryant and they see the NBA and they 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 want Kobe Bryant's got an Oscar for documentaries or whatever and they want a bit of that. They want that broader cultural fame. They want to be known as more than footballers. So that's part of the incentive. I don't know if that's true of Tiger at all, but it's certainly that is a, that is definitely in play with Beckham, and it's also in play with um, Neymar and various other Ronaldo. And they, these are people who want to um, sort of build and broaden their their image away from just being brilliant footballers. And and the problem is then they might not be very interesting people. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, the nagging doubt and all this yeah. is that actually if you let the cameras in to your life and you follow Tiger Woods or you follow Neymar around, um, they are training a, a lot of the time and they are, you know, they're not um, having fantastic rock and roll lifestyles um, because you can't, I don't think you could do that and be as fit as they are and, you know, as, as they are now. So, there is a nagging doubt that actually below the bonnet, there isn't much there. And that's a problem if you're building a sort of content strand around one person. Tiger is, you know, fantastic. And he's fantastic with golf for lots of different reasons. Um, now, if he's prepared to be honest, wouldn't it be fantastic if he said, All right, OK, I'm going I'm to just do, would I pay for an honest uh, post-match interview with, with Tiger, where he absolutely sat down and straight to camera and said, "Look, I did this right, I did this wrong." He did, you know, bloke over there, and just completely opened up. Uh, that would be really fascinating, and I would pay for that. But if it's just going to be more bullshit, then I'm not. So you know, it just depends on how good it is. What do you reckon, Shaq? What do you think about well, the I, Tiger thing, Jeff? Sorry, close I think he. Uh, I think he got. Well, I think the the, the the conversation with Tiger. So if he was, if he has a. A great agent, and Mark Steinberg is a is a very good agent, um, uh, and a very smart uh, person. He got a lot of money. Uh, he got a nice check to be a part of this. And then, should this golf TV take off uh, as a as a network, as an entity, uh, and and replace um, or be or, or become another golf channel here in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that he has an ownership stake in it, like Arnold Palmer had with Golf Channel. If that was, if it was negotiated properly, I'm assuming that was the dream deal. But but the the number of quotes he gave suggested that this is a very good deal for him. Um, (laughs) He was very very long winded in uh, in, in his praise for Discovery. So it's certainly something that's lucrative, and it'd be interesting to hear what other players think of him getting an ownership stake in what could be uh, a broadcast network for golf down the road. I'm guessing most would go, yeah, fine, <laughs> he's made us a lot of money. Uh, good for him. I'm glad he's, uh, he's going to be part of the family uh, for the rest of his, his life kind of thing. Most of them will view it that way. But um, obviously I think it's a, a great move in terms of a of a press release and an announcement i don't know how devoted he'll be to producing the content um i just don't know how passionate he will be about standing on a range for for a while as a crew is setting up and trying to to get the lighting right for an instruction piece you know i've heard he's always been very um precise in his arrival time and departure time on what he's contractually obligated to do so that is an interesting element um, 
I just, I just, I, I, I don't really hope. I hope he doesn't spend a whole lot of time doing that. I'd, I hope he spends the next four or five years really devoted to what's oh, left of his yeah. prime of his career here. Now that he seems to be healthy, and then that. that's for sure. The post round interview thing, I, I just thought was fascinating because I didn't understand. I understand why he, he said what he said because he does. He gets dumb questions, of course. Of course but. I'm a little surprised he's got one more interview after every round, and 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 God bless him, he did every interview this year after the rounds. The Sirius Radio, the uh, you know Sky, uh, um, PGA Tour, dot uh, uh, com. I mean, he he just did everything, and I, I guess it's enough of amount of money for him to to add one more post round uh, interview. So it seems like a smart move. The only Really, really stupid thing, and to me, has been this rolling this out as if uh, we here in the United States will will have access to it. I, I just don't. I think people about January fifteenth, they're going to be going, uh, or, or actually, his first tournament, they're they're gonna they're gonna be going over to the Apple Store and trying to find this golf TV app, and maybe it'll be there. But then you know they'll go on there and the, 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 everything will be blocked, and they'll go, Whoa, "What is this? What did I?" And people. Don't forget those kinds of experiences once it happens. And you, you, so, you set up a pirate market immediately too, don't you? Uh, for well, that the too. Te- the technology is yeah. certainly there to, to hack into that. And, and is it close? Were you going to? I don't know. Were you going to say something there before? How many are going to be pirating this? But <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Sorry, Clayton, did you have something? Um, I was, but I've forgotten. Ah, there you go. <laughs> what, what would what would what would you pay for to get from Tiger Clayton? Do you think? Tiger 2.0, the friendlier Tiger who's done all of the interviews and everything as Shaq just pointed out. Is there a chance that what he gives might be interesting on his own medium? Well, that was – actually, that was what I was going to say. He and, – and we'll get to the, to the drinking game. Um, <laughs> we, knew, <laughs> we, we knew he had to get that. The only interesting thing I've ever seen Tiger write or say was in Lauren Rubenstein's book. We had a great chapter on the golf ball and equipment. And, and, and I know he's smart and I know he can – yeah, he could be an incredible spokesman for the game, but you know, as we've all seen, he, he he can do the Dallas press conferences and say nothing. But but I think he could become a brilliant statesman for the game and to talk about the issues and the problems it has. And, uh, but chance, only if he chose to. Yeah. Any chance he's thinking yeah. that, Shank? Is this his platform to do it in his own words? Possibly. Maybe not now, but maybe Shank? I didn't really. He didn't say anything like that in the in the rollout, but um, it, 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 it's very possible. I just uh, it, it, wouldn't it be fun if he if he decided to just sit down and really uh, do a whole demo of of persimmon on on TrackMan oh, and the Lucas um, started talking about it, and then and then Jay Jay Monahan calls up Mister uh, the Commissioner uh, all for distance now and protecting um, uh, the rights of, of, uh, of certain companies and worrying about that uh, <laughs> and say, you know, Tiger, um, can, we, can we dial that down a little bit? That really does a message right. Well, I mean, I don't think he would do it, but it would be fun. It would be great. Make a dream. Maybe Jay could offer him another couple of shots at the Tour Championship. Hey, Tiger, you can start at 12-under instead of 10-under. Uh, that'll be the end. That'll be the end. Are they going ahead with that check? They're going to do it, aren't they? They're going to do that. that. that That's unbelievable. I've heard nothing to – yeah, it doesn't seem to be uh, well-received still to this point. It hasn't aged well. <laughs> 
how could it? Just bizarre. What do you reckon, Richard? Is there any chance we see his Tiger perhaps thinking legacy? Have you ever seen anything in his career? Because you probably think about these kinds of things. What would you advise him if you were kind of talking sports marketing with Tiger? Is this an opportunity for him? Owning the Golf <laughs> Channel never heard Arnold Palmer, did it? What do you reckon? I'd have to, I'd have to take a breath before advising Tiger Woods on sports <laughs> marketing. But, um, Very good point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the sort of what he will be uh, post-career, you know, what role he'll play and, and whether or not that is a public-facing role. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting one. He's, he's, he's sort of... He, obviously, Palmer is always the comparison, but Palmer is just such a different personality that, that it's very hard to see. You know, it would be, again, as we all, we've all said, it would be great if he could do it. I just don't think it's in him to do that. So I don't quite know... Um, I've always sort of he's, he's the whole myth thing around him that grew up um, and then sort of crashed down. It's a fascinating story. I just don't know what that final chapter is going to be. You know, it's it's very hard to call. He doesn't feel like a, a sort of political person in the broader sense, and he doesn't sent, he doesn't feel like someone who's going to sit on TV panels. Um, so. And is he a coach? You know, oh, I, I don't God, know. No, the instruction stuff's going to be... I can't imagine why he would even be thinking about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I know people will lap it up, and I suppose it's easy for him. You know, it's easy. This is how I hit a flop shot. You know, that's obviously pretty straightforward. But who wouldn't pay to watch uh, Tiger Woods on the couch with Jeff Ogilvie? Tiger talks to Adam Scott. Who wouldn't pay to watch that? It's not going to happen, I know, but yeah. wouldn't that be just... what? Because I remember Jeff Ogilvie told us, you, you probably remember this too, Clates and Shaq, he told us on the State of the Game, he said, it's just a tragedy for the golf world that we don't get to hear Tiger on sure. golf because he's fascinating and insightful and has an incredible mind. And the whole golf world has sort of been locked out of that, tragically. And wouldn't it be wonderful to, to think so? I don't know. Well, that's what... Yeah, that's what the post career is for, and, yeah, and he. I, I like that he started getting back to uh, the the old tiger of of maybe not wanting to be buddy buddy with everyone. Yeah, and uh, like what was the <laughs> anecdote with uh, who asked him about putting? I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, oh, I didn't see this. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, geez, I'll think of it in a minute. It, it was a recent story where. Uh, Somebody asked him about the uh, – said something about the greens. What do you do in this case? Was it wrong? It was wrong. Um, and Tiger Tiger gave a, just a totally vanilla answer. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm playing – yeah, and, the, and, the, and the, the insinuation was, uh, you're the competition. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm right. not here. Should have given him uh, Peter, you're not my buddy. Should have given him Peter Thompson's uh, tip shack, which I read the other day for putting, which was set up comfortably, aim where you wanted to, and tap it at the hole. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's budding and, and, <laughs> and just trying two putts he said I even tried to two putts from four feet sometimes that's amazing isn't it? that was which <laughs> was Tomo's mind was just trying two putts yeah that's right that story came out we'll, I'll tell you we'll, we'll wrap it up but it's a Peter Thompson story you'll love this one Clay. I'm sure you've heard it before but apparently somebody asked him many years ago at an open why he, why he hadn't yet or why he hadn't written a book about instruction and he, he took a tee he put it in the ground he took a five iron took a swing knocked it out of the ground and looked at the person and said how can you write a book about that <laughs> It's so simple. Yeah. There's not a book in that. <laughs> it's, just, it's a brilliant put down of everyone who's ever written a book, and it's a brilliant illumination of how his mind works. It's like, really? A book? Just take it back and hit it. It's not that hard. So it was wonderful. No. I don't feel like we scratched the surface. Richard, were you about to say something there? Because we've got to let Clates go. He's got a tea time at Metro. 
Oh, no, really? Really? Of the off-field quarter pass. So, 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 Richard, quickly, a yes or no answer. Did the Ryder Cup confirm your theory about the captain myth? Thomas Bjork wants <laughs> the biggest genius in the world. Oh, yeah, we should. Well, I mean, it, yeah, he's, it was, it was, uh, I felt sorry for Jim Furyk, actually, because, you know, again, as ever, he did nothing seemingly mm. wrong. Uh, and I think, you know, again, the post, obviously my book was about the stories we tell about captains, you know, and, and leadership and, and we in the media get it wrong quite a lot. And, you know, Thomas Bjorn is, is a very strong data story to it, which again is very modish um, and interesting. So there's a lot of, you know, we, we outthought them on the, uh, on the spreadsheets and the uh, data analysis. Um, yeah, I think let's, let's just agree to, to say that we, uh, we get, we talk about leadership in a strange way and we, we start with the result and work backwards and fill in the story essentially. So um, yeah. but I felt so for Furyk. I like, I like, I really like Furyk. And, um, again, he, what, what happened, I don't think was particularly in his, uh, I don't think you could, uh, blame him. I don't know. What did, do you think? Did Patrick Reed save well, him is the question. Has Patrick Reed saved Jim Furyk a lot of that blame by essentially becoming the hand grenade in the room? Richard. Yeah, no, it's a good shout. He, he's, I suppose people aren't talking, I mean, a question for Jeff is, are people talking about Jim Furyk's captaincy or is it, is it just something that just passes by and they'll, they'll move on to the next one? Um, I don't know. No, no, he's, he's taking some blame. For sure, I, I I think people are really struggling with uh, some of those those pairings, and uh, but I think some of the aftermath has helped people understand that he he was just dealing with uh, some an, an untenable political situation there with with Phil. I mean that idea that Phil was texting him updates on how his practice session was going that little revelation was if you that was wow that, I mean who who wants to deal with that I mean you're just if you're if you're Friday the Ryder Cup and you're still tinkering with with your instructor in the morning on the range, you, you, you're not, you shouldn't be playing in the afternoon. And, and the original plan was probably for them to play in the morning, Bryson and Phil, and he had to change course on that. And, um, when you had a strong personality who, who got you, helped get you the job and as your, is your friend, it, he got, uh, sort of, uh, misled there. I'm not sure misled, but he, 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 he just didn't make a tough call on the fill front. And, and, and that was a, that was a big day Friday, the way that, that, that they played so, out. And the pity was, what's the, what's the, what, the, the, the sort of legacy of the task force? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely taken a little bit of a hit since the, the play and, and kind of the sense that, um, that they had things scripted poorly. So, um, no, no, no talk of another task force, sadly. Mm. Plates, you were going to say something. <laughs> well, well, he had, well, himself, Kucha, Zach Johnson, and one or two others who were the straightest hitters on the US tour walking around as advisors when that would be much better off playing on that golf course. <laughs> well, and that, might have hit a fairway. Yeah, and that's the other problem is that the, the picks were, were sort of already planned and they just did not they knew what they were going to get with the golf course, maybe not to that extreme. And they did not make any selection that really addressed what the setup was going to be, even though it was telegraphed, it was not a secret that it, it it's a straight hitting 
take the power out of play a golf course. And in hindsight, as you say, you know, Zach Johnson, Matt mm-hmm. Kuchar, and then Kevin Kisner back home, who was somebody a lot of people mentioned that if you're really trying to build a winning team, and yeah, he may not have made the team on points, but man, does he love match play. He loves partners play, and he is a grinder, and he can hit it pretty straight. And uh, man, would he have been handy on, on that golf course yeah, if he if his game was in good shape, which it, it was. It seemed like it was good enough. It wasn't, it, but it wasn't on the level of of Tony Finau and Xander Schauffele and a few other people. Yeah, indeed, the big question, I suppose, looking ahead, um, Jeff, is how big of a an issue is the clear animosity between Patrick Reed and everybody else for future rider and president? Oh, they got a, oh yeah. There's a serious problem I mean, if, developing there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. I, unless he just stops playing well and doesn't make teams on points, it has to be an enormous headache for uh, Tiger at the President's Cup this year and then um, for for, uh, for 2020. It, I mean, what do you do? It's, it's, uh, You've been just pairing with, just pairing with Kiss Knuckles. Oh, yeah. Not, not the last week. yeah, yeah. Okay, who do you pair him with? Seriously, who do you pair well, him with? There's nobody left. Because they can just try and beat each other. Are they so hoping... They gave him the well, Jeff, he's now a member of the European Tiger. Tour, isn't he? Maybe he'll play for Europe. He kind of already is. Yeah. Well, we'll see how his game goes. I, I, I have doubts about his longevity as oh, a really? player with all this this negativity around him and uh, the demands of, of, his, uh, of his wife. Um, and then just being... Uh, Surrounded by this, this because I really do believe, at his core, uh, that there's a there's a good person yeah. there with a, with a good heart and a love for the game. And but he surrounded himself uh, with with some some people who are who've driven him certain ways, and and then he's kind of in this bubble now. And um, you know, I think his his brother in law is caddies uh, a. a, a pretty good soul who, who could steer him in the right direction if, you know, but it, it's a mess. And so I, I do worry that, uh, his career will be derailed in, in prematurely by some of this. And then just what's gone on now. And I mean, how do you not feel that, that vibe yeah, yeah. you go to the but, golf course every day when you're on the but, range? But Jeff, I had to, someone say exact same thing to me when the cheating revelation came out about VJ when he first went to America, he's going to destroy his career. He's never going to be able to put his face out there and it didn't bother him one dot. And, and yeah. Rod, did, Rod, did we have that conversation with Jeff? I could be at the Australian Open. No, he wasn't at the Open. So somewhere, the World Cup maybe, where Jeff said, I really like him. He's a good guy. I, I enjoy him. I think, you know, he said, I don't yes, know with him. It might have been off air clothes. We probably shouldn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he bought a set of hickories, Jack. Yeah. Did, well, and I got to see that side of him yeah. uh, and, and see his, his passion. That was not some ploy to, uh, to, to get good press. He just, it was just, just kind of his instinct as a golfer, and yeah. to, to, he was drawn to it. And he's drawn to, to being a great player, and he's pretty fearless. And, and you're right, Clay, he may be like VJ, where he just puts on his headphones and he goes to the range and he, he just doesn't care, and, and it just doesn't um, uh, phase him. I, I just wish that. Uh, and by the way, and and you know, Richard, I, I I'd love to get your sense on this, but 
he he was not wrong about some things. He clearly threw some things out there where he sensed this buddy culture. He may have been referring to the Phil situation, and and it just was unfortunate that he dragged Spieth into it the way he did. But I he, he may not have been wrong about kind of punching a, a few holes in the in the um, the task force cult that had been created. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, sometimes I wonder if. What would have happened um, if they if they had just given Azinger the job since 2018 through to 28 you know, from tw- 2008 through to 2018, I, and and whether or not that would have you know I know politically it's never going to happen, but I found it interesting because I sort of I re- of all the stories I thought his one was was good and obviously they won so I'm falling into my own trap, but there is a um, I just don't know whether or not the Everything tells me that that when you look at the great teams, these are you know culture trumps everything, and it's you know All Blacks, Man United under Ferguson, all of these things. There is a there is just you haven't got enough time to devote develop a culture um, within a Ryder Cup team. I just don't I don't see how that works unless there is something happening noises off through the two years each time. But it just Different captains, different players. I don't see how that how that works. And I think one of the, the great myths has been the European tour, Europe's sort of team spirit um, story. Because I think that you know, whenever they lose, it it is seen to be um, not quite as robust as uh, um, as previously thought. So they've just they've won and and winning people winning teams that look happy. Um, so that's the projection onto that. But I just don't know. There was something about the way Azinger went about it. He just had a sense of of authority and respect around the players. Now that might wear off over time as you know, younger players come along. I don't know. That's a, but it's an interesting question, I think. And I, the, the, the culture thing, both on both sides, Jim Furyk said something really interesting when they lost in 20, uh, in Ireland, 2006, he said that we just turn up and we feel constipated, you know, and he's just like, we are stiff with, with anxiety. Um, and that there was a bit of that, this time around as well. And they, you know, and again, it's, it's easy to say that when they're losing, but you could see it on Friday and people, everyone was talking about it. So it's, it's a, it's a really difficult one. Um, they always have everything think... to lose, don't they, America? They, 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 they've got nothing to win, but they've always got everything to lose. If they win, they're supposed to. If they lose, it's a huge drama yeah. and, they, and they face that. It doesn't matter how many times they get beat. That is their, the albatross around their neck, no matter what happens, isn't it? So it's a very different yeah, dynamic. And there's also... The Euro- European team have a different set of incentives. They have a very strong commercial incentive to do yeah. well. You know, Poulter mm-hmm. and Montgomery have both proven that. You yeah. can you can build a very successful personality and brand, if you like, without winning a major. If yeah. you if you turn up at, at Ryder Cups, and that's that I think is embedded over a period of twenty years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fascinating stuff. I can hear Clay's heading for the car there to uh, to get down to Metro, yeah, so yeah. probably a good, <laughs> good time <laughs> for us to wind it up. As I said, I don't even feel like we got started, Richard. I think this story is going to be one that just keeps unfolding, and I, uh, I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. But uh, thank you for taking some time to chat today, mate. Really enjoyed it, as always. Love your insights. 
Not at all. Great to uh, great to chat again, and uh, good luck, yeah. guys. I love the love the podcast. Keep it going. You're our first. Thanks, right. Richard. Thanks, Richard. Enjoy it. Our first three time guest. So a round of applause for Richard Gillis. Well done, Richard. Very nice. <laughs> nice work. Nice work. Jeff Shackleford, thank you very much. I really enjoyed your insights too on a topic. I know it's not sort of golf, but I love that. I love all your insights from Golf Channel and how this is all going to unfold. So thank you for taking time. That's going to be interesting to watch. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Right. Look forward, thank you. Look forward to seeing you on Golf TV at some point. Maybe on the couch with Tiger. That'd be uh, now that I would pay to watch Tiger Woods. In conversation oh. with Jeff Shackleford. It'd be a short oh, one, but, but it'd be dynamic. No, 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 no. <laughs> sure Come you, on, sure you we did. would blab all day long about exactly what I mean. The drinking game would be stupendous. <laughs> Actually, you're the one who's asking. He the, wants to talk about that issue. Yeah, he, big time. he enjoys yeah. talking about yeah. it. Yeah, in fact, I'm sure I've heard you ask him sensible golf questions in press conferences, and he gets very engaged, doesn't I, he? Hey, when he hey, gets a sensible, I and I'm not. I'm not uh, humble bragging here. Well, maybe I'm a little. I got somehow. Uh, Tory Pines. He was really chilly with my first question of the year. He, he was very short and kind of gave me a weird look. And then after that, I, I mean, he gave me incredible answers to every question I asked. And uh, I have no idea what I I did. But he was. I mean, it was beyond my wildest dreams, the, the depth he gave to questions I would ask. It, it may just be that I, I looked good because it was, they were in between just the usual. <laughs> Rubbish, you yes. going to play Bay Hill this yeah, year? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, schedules are flexible. We'll see how they go. But something clicked. <laughs> and then there was also something that clicked with him. And, it, it was, and I'm not saying it's a statement about me. At some point, something just clicked where he went, well, why, am I, why am I sitting on these reflections? Nobody takes it as me bragging they just they enjoy hearing me reflect and i i like telling some stories i have some stories to tell and for some reason he just finally realized that there's there's nothing but positive in doing that called growing up anyway jeff he's grown up in a different world to us but it's growing up that's all it is he's got the 42 and it's all been taken away from him and he's got it back so he's appreciative of that i'm sure yeah yeah. Clates, you, I would certainly pay to listen to Sit on the Couch with Tiger, though it would have to be a subscription not safe for work conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> that would only make it more entertaining. But thank you for taking the time to chat today, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Rob. It was great fun. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, have a good round. Yeah, have a, okay. good, Thanks, have a good round. It's the only time ever has. That's it for episode 86 yeah. of – sorry, mate. You in? All right. No. Yeah, you good? All right. That's uh, right. No, we're all good. That's yeah. it for episode 86 of State of the Game. We hope you've enjoyed listening <laughs> as much as we've enjoyed talking, <laughs> giggling, and carrying on if there's anybody left. Uh, we'll be back to do it all again soon here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.